Hi, I'm Gary Kinneen from Seven Generations Ahead, and you're listening to 1590 WCGO, Chicago's Smart Talk Radio. Mike Nowak show starts in three, two, one. If you've got a green thumb, and by the way, if you do, I know a specialist. <laughs> you'll uh, really marvel at how simple a tool this is, and it can really save you hours of back-breaking work. Let's see. I'm about a uh, hundred yards off the green here. I'll, I'll try a five weasel. No more weeding on your hands and knees. You just gently glide your weasel. And by the way, it's been years since I've said that. You just glide the weasel in between your, let's say, plants. Look, Ma, I'm making valuable mulch. Oh. Hello, Mr. Hoffa. Live from a cul-de-sac somewhere in Evanston, Illinois, it's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. 20 years and counting as Chicago's go-to deep green gardening and environment program. Heard every Sunday morning on Chicago's Smart Talk. Good planets hard to find. Temperate zones and tropic climes. True currents and thriving seas. Wind blowing through breathing trees. Strong ozone and safe sunshine. Well, good planets are hard to find. Good planets are in the main. Your questions, comments, and participation are always welcome. At 847. A new secure line has been opened for communication. 877-711-5611. Now back to American Radio Broadcast. On Facebook and Instagram at The Mike Novak Show and at Mike Now on Twitter. And here they are. She's lean and he's green. Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. Good planets are in the main. Right. 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 Can I hear myself? Now I can. I can hear you. I'm just trying to adjust things here so I can... Just the guy playing the harmonica in the background. Yeah. Get that guy out of here. Welcome. <laughs> uh, now I'm going to turn this up. Okay. There you are. There we go. <sighs> okay. Good welcome. morning. Good morning. And uh, uh, welcome to winter. And uh, bo- yikes. A lovely February day outside. Uh, it, holy smoke. Well, we're going to have... Uh, we'll start with the last things first here, which is Rick DeMaio, meteorologist. Extraordinaire will be back on the show today to tell us all about the weather because I guess there's something interesting going on downtown later today. No, tomorrow. Today and tomorrow, meaning Mr. Bill Turk from uh, Playtime with Bill Turk and Carrie Kendall. What about uh, a baseball game? Uh, something about that. Yeah. I don't know. And, and actually, if he's listening, uh, Bill Turk, uh, and I think he is, I'm going to play something for you later in the show. Probably, I'm thinking right after 10 a.m. So I hope you're around then because it's a special 
a special tribute to this thing you're doing. And they're actually at Murphy's Bleachers doing the the big pre-opening day broadcast with a ton of guests, uh, important people. Well, important only in that they like this baseball team that's on the north side. Hey, uh, hey. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, that thing. Holy something, come holy. Uh <laughs> And uh, uh, in honor of the local authors that they've had on their show recently, Randy Richardson and Becky Sarwait Maxwell, is that how you pronounce it? I don't know. They're the authors of Cub Sessions, famous fans of Chicago's Northside baseball team. Look at the people they're going to have there. I mean, they're going to have Lynn Bramer and they're going to have, uh, he mentioned some other, Pat Brickhouse, wife of uh, the late Cubs broadcaster Jack Brickhouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, a bunch of other folks uh, here uh, at, live from Murphy's Bleachers from 1 to 3 p.m. right here on 1590 WCGO, Chicago's Smart Talk. So you, if you're a fan, if you happen to like baseball, tune in. If you don't happen to like baseball, tune in anyway. Tune in. It's, okay? it's playtime. you got to uh, tune in. But in the meantime, as I said, Mr. DeMaio will be here later to tell us why it's so freaking cold. <laughs> Do some explaining, and 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 what and, and and I blame him because he wasn't here last week. So this is what happens when he doesn't mm-hmm. show up. Uh, but I guess that's going to change by the end of the week. So that's cool. So in honor of that, we have a bunch of people on the show today uh, who are going to talk about, believe it or not, gardening and that kind of thing. Not all gardening. We start with Lamanda Joy uh, from Peterson Garden Project, who's on the show all the time, and uh, their huge annual sale is coming up plant sale it's the edible sale organic edible sale uh and that's coming up in april and may because they sell cool vegetables and hot vegetables Mm -hmm. and we'll we'll talk about that uh sarah sarose and patrick williams will be here from open lands also in the first hour to talk about not only a sale native plant sale up there uh, in Lake County, but uh, what Open Lands is doing and combining with Lake County, uh, 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 conserve Lake County, conserve Lake County, and and how they've merged and uh, what's good for that and what's going to happen. And then in the second hour, get your questions ready at eight seven 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 one one five six one one. And if you don't memorize that, you can go to my website, go to our Facebook page. That number's up there. We're going to talk to Lisa Hilgenberg, who is a horticulturist at the Regenstein Fruit and Vegetable Garden at the Chicago Botanic Garden. And regardless of the weather, she's getting ready to uh, to put her vegetables in the ground. I don't hear music. I assume we, we've got some behind me. Uh, 60. Oh, okay. So now... <laughs> The clock is only a minute off. That's good. Okay. That's the, uh, so if we just start wandering, okay. wandering in the garden this so morning. I'm, 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 I'm wrapping up here, and I'm wrapping up, and I'm not hearing music, and I'm not hearing music. And I, okay, well, we're going to let's, – let's remember that the clock is a minute off here, and uh, so I'm going to put one on mm-hmm. my computer. So uh, talk amongst yourselves here for the extra minute that we've got. Well, actually – And folks can go over to Facebook and – Watch us live. We are one camera at the moment, so you're going to have a different view of the studio. So There's the, the music. So the clock doesn't work. The camera, two of the cameras don't work, or one of them doesn't work. And Randall's back at the control Randall's desk. Randall's at the control because nothing works, and so we put <laughs> Randall back in charge. So in case he can fix it. Uh, okay. And, uh, you know, Bill Turk's at Murphy's Bleachers, and he's not even going to step into he's the cool studio. He's cooling the beer. We'll be back with a Lamanda Joy right after this. Did you know that today is Take a Native Plant to Lunch Day? 
Well, every day is when you grow plants from natural communities' native plants. This year, you can get your hands on hard-to-find edibles like wild leeks and golden seal instead of stealing them from forest preserves, which is illegal, and a whole forest of permaculture shrubs and fruit trees like service berries, pawpaw, and persimmon, and nut trees like pecan, hazelnut, and walnut. They even carry wild strawberries and other native fruits. Natural Communities has the largest selection of native plants, shrubs, and trees in the Midwest. They even have native garden kits for beginners. And they're happy to provide you with education about sustainability to help you succeed. It was never so easy to make a positive difference in the world around you, even if you're a foodie. Don't just get back to nature, create it in your own backyard. Go to naturalcommunities.net. Naturalcommunities.net. Have you ever walked into a hair salon and been overwhelmed by the smell of chemicals? Well, that's never going to happen at Organic Roots Ego Salon. They use only the safest, most natural professional hair products available to make sure you get great color results that last and won't harm the environment or you. Their salon products and services are free from ammonia, formaldehyde, and other toxins typically found in hair color, perms, and keratin smoothing treatments. Organic Roots also offers a complete menu of safe straightening treatments, including the non-toxic Magic Sleek and Cezanne keratin smoothing products that let you shampoo the same day. They even repurpose hair clippings, recycle product containers, and use LED lighting. Now that's green. Walk into 21st Century Hair Care for women and men at Organic Roots Eco Salon, 3417 Dempster in Skokie. Book your appointment at organicrootsecosalon.com or call 847-423-2653. Health and beauty. You no longer have to sacrifice one for the other. This is your talk. And this place is really something else, huh? Only on 1590 WCGO, Evanston, Chicago. idea why i'm playing this why not for bill turk no this isn't the one he's going to think this is the song it's not but i'm playing this because i like the song okay welcome back to the mike novak show the sun's out there and it's it's about 30 degrees so it doesn't do you any good to have any sun out there this morning it's that warm yet uh oh are you looking at the temperature there uh, welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. And no, Bill, that's not the song. That's not that's not the thing I'm playing for you. So uh, if you're listening later, it's later. But that's that's just sort of a again. We're just gonna we're playing that because uh, uh, playtime with Bill Turk and Carrie Kendall will be out at Murphy's Bleachers today from one to three. So we hope you're all listening to that. But in the studio, who's looking at the sunshine and saying? When the heck is it going to get above 30 degrees is Lamanda Joy from the Peterson Garden Project. Lamanda, good to see you. Hello. I'm always happy to see you, too. Well, even uh, this early in the morning. <laughs> even on a Sunday. <laughs> and and this is the first time you've been in the new opulent studios here. It's lovely. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. it really is. Um, Exciting. I'm trying to do something about all that red on the back walls, but other than that, we'll... Uh, I think that was a Ron Calgill thing. Yeah. The, so I got to tell Ron, use a green screen, pal. You need a green screen. <laughs> uh, but you uh, you just came back from the wilds of Oregon where you yes. vi- you visited mom. Yes, I did. Every time I, 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 I write to you, you're out in Oregon 
just doing something. Well, she's 90, family. so I'm, oh, I'm there quite a bit, you yeah. know, just making sure she's behaving herself. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I hope the, now in Oregon, I bet it's a little warmer than it is here. It is a little warmer, actually, and there's a lot of blossoms. It's really pretty. Ooh. I went to my favorite seed store, garden center and stocked uh-huh. up on all my seeds. It's it's pretty nice. Yeah. Yeah. I love Oregon. Oregon's like the, the best-kept secret in America, basically. Shh. Yeah, I know. You don't. Yeah. And, and that's the way Oregonians feel about yeah, it. Yeah, that's they, how we feel about it. And I remember the, Do you remember the campaign? Of course you yes, do. Yes, I do. I know exactly what you're going to say. Yes, the, I do. The, we're basically told Californians, go away. Don't come here. We don't want you. Have a nice visit, but don't stay. Yeah. Please don't stay. Yes. <laughs> that was one of the best campaigns ever. Didn't work. They all came up in Yeah, they did, but it's all right. We, why, you know. why would they do that? They got such a big state down there. You can go just. Park on the border just south of Oregon, and you can mm. stay there. Yeah, maybe. And California has its uh, its issues, too. But Oregon is a, is a beautiful state. But we're talking Chicago and yes. Peter, Peterson Garden Project. Yes. And you guys are ramping up. Boy, this is uh, uh, an exciting time of year because not only do you have your big plant sale, which we'll talk about in a second, but... At this time of year, you open the gardens, you, you know, you, you unlock the door and and step back and all the people come flooding in and do their stuff. And that basically happens in about uh, two weeks, right? Yeah, the garden open day is the first day of the uh, the day of the cool season plant sale, the 21st. Uh-huh. And we've been going through all of our orientations. So everybody okay. that participates has to come to this mandatory orientation. So yesterday we had 150 people crammed in a room at the Wiley White Park for the Hello Howard Garden, and it was a lot of fun. Oh, so, I bet. So for some of our listeners who might not totally understand what Peterson Garden Project is and why would 150 people be there, two-second overview here. Sure. Well, Peterson Garden Project is uh, our mission is to recruit, educate, and inspire everyone to grow their own food. And we have a series of very large, what we call pop-up victory gardens on the north side of the city. So we have mm-hmm. about uh, 4,000 people that participate with us wow. every year. We also have a community cooking school. But anyway, to get ready for the gardens, you know, it's a community program. It takes a village to do a program yeah. this yeah. big. So we do uh, every year an orientation for all the members that are signed up. And we do it garden by garden so they get a chance to meet their neighbors. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, you basically have a – you have – Eight gardens uh, from the what I saw online, seven of which uh, people can join. I mean, it, not so much the uh, the field museum garden because that's a workplace a, garden. A workplace yeah. garden, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, but then seven gardens throughout, sprinkled throughout the north side, where and and they change uh, the locations tend to change uh, because as I as she finally beat into my head five or six years down the road, it's not about the, the, the plot of land. It's about teaching people how to garden so they can take exactly. that knowledge anywhere they go. Exactly. Long-term gardeners versus long-term mm-hmm. gardens. Yeah. We are putting a new one in this year. So that's going in an uptown on... It's going in an uptown near the um, like Broadway and Sunnyside in front of the Stewart School. That was one of the CPS schools that was decommissioned mm-hmm. in thirteen. Was acquired by a uh, developer that's turning into these amazing lofts. But there's a piece in the front that belongs to the city, the Department mm-hmm. of Transportation. So Alderman Kappelman's office uh, approached us and asked if we would be willing to put uh, one of our gardens there. Fabulous. So that's opening this year, probably in June. And we just opened registration last week, and people are kind of losing their did minds you just, about it. Did you just get that information or something, the reason why it's not opening with the other gardens? Well, it's new, so we have to build it. And yeah. Ah, you know, nothing okay. goes yeah. according to my mm-hmm. timeline. So, <laughs> you know, why isn't it done yet? Yes, exactly. Why isn't it done yet? So we're waiting for some approvals to uh, get that rolling. Okay. 
Uh, by the way, our phone number is 877-711-5611, and I see somebody, a phone call pouring in right now. Uh, and I got a feeling maybe somebody's going to be asking you a question about Peterson Garden Project. You never know. Okay. Uh, but if folks are, well, first of all, I got to ask, uh, is there room in any of the gardens if people want to still participate? Well, we just opened Uptown, so there's still room there. Grow Uptown is the name mm-hmm. of that garden. Now, do you have to live in the neighborhood? No. Well, okay. we advise that people are fairly close. Otherwise, they won't be there enough to tend their plot. But exactly. we, don't, we don't force that issue. Yeah. Um, we have room at our Land on Lincoln Garden, which is at Sacramento and Lincoln. And we have room at our new ground garden, which is at Northeastern University at St. Louis and Foster, which was also the site of the nation's largest victory garden during World War II. So that's exciting. Wait, wait. Foster and what? St. Louis. Okay. That's Northeastern. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And see, because w- one of the things you did when you started, the very first garden you had was the site of an old Victory Garden right. as well. That's right. So how many – do you can you identify these plots in the city? Do you know where they are? Is it your goal to, to, to put some of your gardens on those old Victory Garden plots? Uh, well, they're kind of hard to identify. And, you know, 70 years later, so much has <laughs> yeah. been built up. So it's just a happy coincidence for that garden. How did you know about this one then? Uh, uh, from my research – during, um, you know, I do my lecture, Victory Gardens, yesterday right. tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, during my research, I discovered that that was the nation's largest Victory Garden. It was in all sorts of publications and newspapers. And, wow. Yeah. And so there you are again. Yeah, it was just a coincidence. But that ethos, you know, that let's get together <laughs> yeah. and teach people and be together and grow our own food is still, you know, what wakes me up every morning for Peterson I, I, I want folks who are listening to to know a statistic, and I think I stole it from you, and I've used it. <laughs> good, <laughs> okay, good. I, steal, I steal all kinds of stuff from, from you and from other people to put in my own garden talks. But the stat I got was that in World War II, 44% of the fresh vegetables in America were grown in Victory Gardens. That's Does that sound about right to you? I've heard variations of that, 40 yeah. to 60, but a lot. Okay, you know, what's the highest number whatever you've, it is. you've heard? I've heard six, you know, 40 to 60. Yeah, I, I, I somewhere I got 44%. The point being that in World War II, we could do that. We, When it became necessary, people could go out and, and, and grow their own stuff. So when they complain that there's not enough fresh vegetables around or they don't know where to get them, well, you can do it yourself. You can do it in your backyard. You absolutely can. And the interesting thing that I learned uh, that really excited me about the Victory Garden movement, especially in Chicago, is 90% of the people that were growing all that food had never gardened before. They weren't rose gardeners that decided to grow vegetables. They didn't know anything. So it was the city's responsibility to teach all these people, which is what really fires me up about teaching people how to grow their own food. If the city can teach hundreds of thousands of people in one season how to grow food, Mm -hmm. There's no excuse for us not to be able right. to do that, too. And the other thing I learned about that, that Chicago apparently was, if not the most successful city, one of the most successful cities uh, in terms of putting together uh, Victory Gardens. And part of the reason was <laughs> the machine. It was the machine, the Democratic machine. Really? Because the ward bosses would go out and knock on doors and say, you got to. That's what I. Well, you're, you're, you're <laughs> She's shaking laughing. Your you don't believe that? Well, Chicago's good at machines for sure. Um, it was an organization <laughs> called. That gets a ding. Yes. Um, the Office of Civilian Defense that actually pulled all that together. And oh, it, was it really? Okay. So and, I got that wrong. All and, right, good. And the part, but there were, um, you know, block captains. You know, there mm-hmm. was a system. Sure. So, yes, there was a system. Um, yeah. 
It was pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We can the talk, point. We can talk about the point that some is, other time. No, no, no. But that's okay. The point is that there was a lot going on. A lot of people were growing stuff in their own backyards in Chicago. In their own backyards, and also every empty lot that was available. There right. Was a partnership with the park mm-hmm. district to provide plowing to you know just yeah. activate everything they can get their hands on. Yeah. So in terms of Peter, and we'll get to the the, the sale in a yeah. second because yeah. I want people to go to the sale, and they do. It's one of the best sales uh, around. It's super fun. It, it really is. And uh, so if they join Peterson Garden project what do they get what does it cost them what do they get well we think of it as a membership because uh there's a lot involved there's Mm -hmm. classes Mm -hmm. events supplies in garden events and education and a four by eight plot and that's uh 85 dollars with soil wow yes of course with soil (laughs) well i'm saying no you never know it's like bring bring, your own soil bring your own seats here's a wooden box go to town (laughs) yeah but uh, you get all that, and you get a lot of support. And because people are around you gardening, obviously you're going to learn a lot, and you're going to be supported a lot. Yes, and you encouraged. know, exactly. You know, when we started our first garden, very few of the gardeners knew. And mm-hmm. now over the years, many of those original gardeners and subsequent gardeners are now teaching classes, yeah. leading the gardens. And so we really welcome, we call them our groovies, our growing newbies, mm-hmm. those people that have never gardened mm-hmm. before. We put little welcome signs in their plot so everybody knows who they are so they can help them and really help yeah. them succeed. It's it's cool. It's Plus, great. you guys have a lot of parties. And we like to have parties, <laughs> yes. Yes, gardening makes people happy, so we like to celebrate as much as we can. Yeah. Speaking of making people happy, I brought you a little... Oh, spring is coming gift. Ooh. Thank wow. you. My favorite flower. Nasturtiums. Yes. Oh, I love nasturtiums. They are great. And they're good companions in the garden for your veggies. And they're great. Good on salads. They're a great trap crop. They're great on salads. The What's whole a thing's... trap crop, Lamanda? Is this one working? No. A trap crop is working. when you plant something that the insects like better than they like your vegetables. So in this case, insects like aphids. Or aphids like uh, nasturtiums, nasturtiums, excuse yep. me. So I'll be all up and down the stems. Uh-huh. What about chipmunks? I don't have any chipmunks. I don't know. I need to plant something the chipmunks like better oh, than my vegetables. Oh, that's what she's saying. Is that, oh, oh. Oh. <laughs> she wants to trap chipmunks. You know, <laughs> if I had that solution, I'd be on the island right now. <laughs> Squirrels, right. raccoons, yeah. rats, you know, the whole urban. And in the city, you don't see the same critters that you see out in the burbs. Uh, and in the exurban areas, uh, one of the things that I've, and I, and I know you probably have this in some of your gardens, in my neighborhood, for some reason, there are no rabbits. And I have no idea. Mazel tov. I know. It's in, I'm in Logan Square. Never seen a rabbit mm, in my neighborhood. Yeah. We do have raccoons. Mm. You know, we got rats. Well, the rats uh, and the raccoons might keep the rabbits away. It's possible. Who knows? It's like the coyotes keep the rabbits yeah, away. Yeah, maybe you have a coyote in your neighborhood. We have, uh, it's possible. Wouldn't surprise me a bit. Yeah. We have feral cats. That could be it. Um, although I haven't seen a lot of them for a while. They were everywhere. And now that population has gone down, hmm. too. So it's things change. Things and, and change. That's, and that's as a gardener, you learn to look for those things and you recognize that. So uh, let us get to the plant sale, the organic edible plant sale. And you've got two versions of it. And tell us all about it, LaManda. Okay. Well, the first one is our cool crop sale. That's April 21st and 22nd. And basically, you know, we set these plant sales up at the very beginning when they're much smaller. So our gardeners would know what to plant when. So anything that they get at the cool crop sale or anybody gets at the cool crop sale can go in the ground immediately. Mm-hmm. So that's a lot Not of green. today. <laughs> well, hopefully we have a couple of weeks it'll warm up. Yeah, But I it can go so. in the ground immediately. The hot crop sale, which is happening May 4th through 6th, is stuff that wants to wait a little bit. So yeah. the peppers, tomatoes, things like that. 
So, you know, as we try to remove complexity with our education for everything else, it's also built into the plant sale. So this year, it's going to be across from the Aragon Ballroom, right by the CTA Red Line stop. The address is 1101 West Lawrence. There's a ton of parking in the back, which is really exciting. And it was an old nightclub. So it was the Kinetic Playground nightclub. So we're sort of... uh, refurbishing it a little bit to create a new... Are you going to dial it up for this, huh? We're going to tart it up. It's going to be great. (laughs) Will there be gnomes? There will be gnomes, but we're not going to do our gnome dependence event this year. Oh. That's that's an infrequent occurrence. Oh, okay. But you can still buy a gnome. Yeah, you can still get a gnome. So I don't have to wear one of those red hats anymore. Well, yes, of course you have to wear the red hat. Uh, no. No, I don't. Right, so so you sell, on the 21st and 22nd, you're selling the cool weather crops, which, as you say, you're probably going to be able to put them right in the ground. Then, in May, five, yes. four, five, six, yes. you sell the warm weather crops, but as you mentioned, some of them probably shouldn't go into the ground at that time. you got to get them grown at some mm-hmm. point, but in Chicago, a lot of that is like yeah. June not, 1st deadline. We're not putting tomatoes yeah. and peppers in It kind of depends on what the weather is, you it know? It depends, you yeah. know? Sometimes you can, sometimes you can't, you know? Sometimes people have to hold it for a week, but it's around the right time. You know, Mother's Day, yeah. people say, is the time here in Chicago. But, you know, June 1st also. So how do folks, uh, they can go to Peterson Garden Project on Facebook, obviously. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, where else can they go to get information about this? They can go to our website, petersongarden.org. We're on Facebook, Facebook. Uh, Facebook events, we're on Eventbrite, it's all over the place. Yeah, it really is. Sign up for our newsletter. It's on MikeNovak.net. We've got all that information up there. And do they need to to sign up, get in line uh, for this? Uh, just, just show up. You just show up. Yep. So first we have come to first... bring boxes and bags? Yes, it's BYOB, bring your own bag. So bags and boxes are appreciated. Cool. Yeah, so just show up, be there. Bring your B, money. Or be square. Bring your uh, money. And you're going to love it. They have such great things. Oh, who's your provider real quick? Montalbano Farms. Montalbano Farms. Cool. Lamanda Joy from Peterson Garden Project. Thank you so much. Uh, we got more coming up. Stick around. Once upon a time, oh, like maybe two years ago, it was really hard to buy native plants locally, but not anymore. It's plant sale time, and here's the wonderful news. Wherever you live in the Chicago area, there's a plant sale near you that includes a large variety of native plants. Now, we can't list them all here, but we want you to know there's a great place to find the local sales. Go to chicagolivingcorridors.org for a comprehensive list, or just go to mikenovak.net and click on the plant sale link. Go native or go home. A good day's gardening can sometimes be a bad day for your muscles and joints. Dr. Bonnie Flaster is a chiropractor who uses gentle, non-force adjustments to relieve pain. With 29 years of experience, she relies on a variety of treatments, including low-level laser, acupuncture, and gentle chiropractic. Visit her at River North Wellness Center and find health tips at rivernorthwellness.com. Call Dr. Bonnie Flaster at 312-642-7545 and get back to feeling good. You can now enjoy local food all season long at Winter Farmers Markets, hosted by many different Chicagoland houses of worship on select Saturdays and Sundays from now through April. Your purchase of local, sustainably produced food helps support regional farmers. The markets are organized by Faith in Place, a nonprofit which inspires people of diverse faiths to care for the earth through education, connection, and advocacy. For a market schedule and to learn more, go to faithinplace.org. After a big party is over, the people get to go home, but all the decorations get thrown in the trash. 
That's why there's random acts of flowers. RAF collects flowers used at weddings, memorial services, and community events, then repurposes them into beautiful bouquets to deliver to people in healthcare facilities. It's a small and simple gesture, but when you see the smiles on people's faces, it's more than worth it. To learn more, call 847-430-4751 or go online at rafchicago.org. You're listening to Weekends on WCGO. Check out our Facebook live stream brought to you in part by our exclusive signage partner, Fast Signs of Lincolnwood. Located at 3450 West Devon Avenue, visit them on the web at fastsigns.com slash 80. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. A little extra Bodine's in there. Yeah, why not? Uh, And uh, before she left the room, uh, Lamanda Joy handed me her list of uh, plants that uh, are going to be on sale. Now, she marked all the purple ones, as she told me, because that's what she's... She said it's her favorite color. But there's really, really cool stuff. I mean, there's... You got your arugula, your bok choy, your broccoli, your cabbage green, your cabbage napa, your cabbage red, your cabbage red napa, your cauliflower, your cauliflower yellow, your cauliflower purple, your celery, your collards, your cucumber. Collards? Collards. uh, Your eggplants, your calendulas, your nasty urchins, nasturtiums. uh, Thyme and chives and basil and... Oh my goodness! It goes on. Your lettuces, mustards, onions, peas, peppers, spinaches, tomatoes, um, chard. I mean, on and on and on. Just an amazing, amazing list of plants. And go to Peterson Garden Project for all of that. Now, uh, if you knew, speaking of plants, but not veggies, if you knew iris like I know iris, oh, 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 what a perennial! Uh, actually, I don't know Iris the way my nemesis and editor at Chicagoland Gardening Magazine, Carolyn Ulrich, does. And to nobody's surprise, uh, she writes about the various kinds of iris in the March-April issue. You might be familiar with bearded iris, but there are a number of other kinds, even native varieties mm-hmm. of iris. And yep. and our next guest is nodding her head, and so we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, and Carolyn has some simple advice on why irises might not bloom. Here you go. The rhizomes are planted too deep, they're in too much shade, you use too much fertilizer, they're overcrowded and need dividing, or the most common reason, they read my column on the inside back page of the magazine. That's true. Uh, Chicagoland Gardening Magazine, a publication of state-by-state gardening magazines. Go to chicagolandgardening.com. If you're in other parts of the Midwest or the South, try one of the 21 magazines in those regions by going to statebystategardening.com or call 888-265-3600, 888-265-3600. And uh, you should note, though, that in the latest issue, the March-April, they have um, a great uh, section on natives, uh, which takes us to um, our, our next segment because we have uh, Sarah Sorose here, who is the... Um, Director of Lake County Programs for Open Lands. In her past life, which was like, I don't know, four months ago, uh, <laughs> you were the executive director 
of Conserve Lake County, and you've been on the show. Welcome back. Thank you, Mike. Thanks, uh, Peggy. It's great to be here. And welcome to the new studios. And uh, Yeah, she was at Pirate Radio last year. Our Pirate Radio. You've moved up in the world. We have. <laughs> uh, let's not even get started. <laughs> we have. Uh, and with her is Patrick Williams, who's the manager of communications for Open Lands and a good guy because uh, he keeps us... Uh, well, uh, up to date on Keeps everything. us informed. He does, and he's really good about it, and we appreciate it. Thanks for being here, Patrick. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Um, and we're here to talk, well, another plant sale, but before we get to that, I'll, I'll make folks wait on that, because that's that's one of the great plant sales in the region, uh, is the Lake County plant sale. Um, and let me say something right, right now off the bat. So f- folks who, who, you know, were, by the end of the week, uh, Mr. DeMaio says we might be getting up into the 60s. Oh, no. And uh, um, it means people are going to want to run out there and they're going to get their stuff. And they're looking around, where can I get plants? And to their credit, a lot of folks more and more are saying, where can I get native plants? And that's a great trend. Now, uh, one of the things we did, I got this uh, email from my friends at Chicago Living Corridors. Um, uh, the other week, and uh, I said to Kathleen and Peggy, we have to put this on the website uh, so folks know where to go because it's a really, really comprehensive mm-hmm. list of plant sales that they put together. So if you go to MikeNovak.net, right on the home page, you're going to see the logo, uh, and uh, I'm scrolling to it right now. If I can make this computer work, it says Native Plant Sales. It's kind of simple. It's like right there. And if you click click on that, it takes you to the Chicago Living Corridor site, and it lists all of these different plant sales throughout the region, many different counties, um, and there's no reason for you to miss one at this point because we've got that information mm-hmm. there. So I want to thank the folks at Chicago Living Corridors for putting that together. Somebody somebody spent some late nights pulling all of this stuff together and uh, scouring the inner tubes in fact we're, we're we're even running a psa for it on the show to let folks know so if you missed it you're going to hear it at some point during the show uh about that and you just go to my website mikenovak.net and click on native plant sales and it's all there so back to sarah sarose uh let's and and, and that, that is how you pronounce your last name right yep. with the long o okay yep. Because I don't want to get that. Last week, all I did was I spent the whole show mispronouncing people's names. So I don't <laughs> want to do that anymore. Um, tell me about um, the merger, uh, Conserve Lake County. We've, you know, the last time you were on our show, you were part of Conserve Lake County. And now that's been merged into Open Lands. What does that mean? What does that mean for the organization? What does it mean for Lake County? I'm, thanks, Mike. I'm really excited about the merger because um, I think that there are such important issues in the work of land conservation that we need to be really smart and efficient with our money and our expertise and resources. So by consolidating two strong organizations into one, uh, we're able to have deeper impact is basically what it comes down to. And so Open Lands is just such a spectacular organization for us, for us to have merged into. Mm-hmm. And all of our, uh, the Conserve Lake County members have become Open Lands members. They get the benefits of Open Lands family. And uh, it's bringing people like Patrick and others at Open Lands staff to Lake County. Uh, be, and Open Lands determined last year with their new strategic plan that Lake County is one of their priority landscapes. 
They are all in. And that is because Lake County has such rich variety of ecological resources. And so it just made sense for the Mm -hmm. two of us to link up. Uh, We had uh, Open Lands CEO and President Jerry Edelman on the show uh, just a month ago to talk about this and and other issues. Um, You talk about resources. uh, Okay, what what are we looking at? Oh, we got a phone call here? All right. It's Jerry. Uh, oh, okay. We'll get to that in a second here. Uh, and um, all we need is our little, we need the little sign here. We've we've lost our little sign. Now uh, someone needs a whole up phone call. Yeah. Uh, at any rate, uh, when Jerry Edelman was, was on the show, um, he was talking about uh, the uh, Open Lands Lakeshore Preserve, which I've been out to. It was just wonderful on the shores of Lake Michigan and preserving um, an ecosystem that is one of the rarest on the planet. Uh, but when you talk about resources, Sarah, um, you the one that is the most difficult, and you can always raise money, but you can't always find land. And that's, that's the big deal. So how are you guys going to work together in terms of, I know there has been some land acquisition already. Uh, how does how, do you just preserve what you have? Or are you still on the lookout for other parcels? Oh, we're definitely on. I wouldn't say on the lookout, but we're definitely working on land preservation still. Right now, we're working on two different um, potential pro- uh, protection of parcels, and in two weeks, we're um, we've called together a, a meeting of all of the groups that are have that do work on land preservation throughout Lake County. Mm-hmm. And and this is a, a group that gets together on a regular basis to talk about the strategy of getting to our goal of preserving at least 20% of Lake County as open space. And um, what are the steps that we can all take as a group to get there? 20%, you say? Mm-hmm. That's, that's a good goal. It is. I would think. Uh, how does that compare? Where, yeah, I was going to say, where is that now? And, I, and and how does it compare to other counties? That's what I'd like to know too. It's the the goal is based on beating out other counties that are what we consider <laughs> built out. <laughs> uh, we looked at Cook, DuPage, and others, and said mm, we'd like to do better, and we'd like to have a good balance. Maybe mm-hmm. you know twenty percent of the county preserved, eighty percent for all the things that all the other things that life needs. Of course, what happens on the 80% still matters greatly. Right now, we're at roughly, I think it's 17%. And okay. that's what we're, I just got an email from our data guy uh, Friday that I need to look at yet to see just where we're at and where we need to go. So how is Open Lands involved with everything happening with the Route 53 extension? Uh, our uh, senior council staff attorney is on the um is our representative at the mm-hmm. stakeholder meetings. Can, and can can we back that up a little bit and maybe go to Patrick and ask for sort of a uh, a little basic information? If people say Route 53 extension, I, I got a feeling there are folks out there who don't know what I'm talking about at all. Yeah, I mean, Sarah is going to be better suited to speak about it because I know she's much more familiar. Um, but it, the Route 53 extension is a proposal by Illinois Department of Transportation to draw Route 53 further north through Lake County up and towards McHenry County, matching it up with Route 120, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That heads mm-hmm. east-west. Um, and it's been a project in development for about 10 years. 
I think, or longer. Uh, but oh, it's, 40 or 50 or okay. 90 years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, it's been like a long that. time. And, and so the, far the, it hasn't <laughs> happened, thankfully. Well, the trick is to solve traffic congestion while protecting these resources. Mm-hmm. Not an easy thing to solve. And Lake County has the richest diversity of species in the whole state, the richest diversity of wetlands and other ecosystems, and has a lot of people who care. So, you know, we all need to get where we want to go in a reasonable amount of time, and we want to do it in a way that's sensitive and uh, supports uh, a, a balanced landscape that is uh, conducive to both economic development and helpful um, quality of life issues. Well, part of the problem, and we just have a minute here, we'll break and then we'll come back, but part of the problem is folks move out away from the city so they can enjoy the benefits of nature. Then if you you put a, a highway through it, you don't have the benefits of nature anymore. So we have a problem, Houston, we have a problem mm-hmm. w- with that. And and it's not just the road. I, the problem with putting a road through there, uh, as folks know, is once it's done, that's one thing. But there's so much disruption and, and destruction as it's going through that it's quite another. And then you have to recover from that as well. So, We've learned a lot about how to build good roads, and we need to apply that here. Yeah. All right. That is Sarah Soros uh, from... Uh, oh, I can't. Open Lands. Thank you. Yeah, and Open Lands. And Patrick Williams from Open Lands. We'll continue the conversation in just a second. Hey, this is Peggy. When I speak at local events, people often ask me, aren't you the Peggy in Natural Awakenings ads? And that makes me happy because it reminds me that Chicagoans want to lead healthier lives. And Natural Awakenings magazine helps them do just that. Natural Awakenings is the greenest, healthiest magazine in the Chicago area. Each month, we bring you the latest information about health and wellness, complementary medicine, fitness and exercise, raising healthy kids, and even keeping your pets healthy. You'll find articles about healthy homes, too, including gardening, energy efficiency, and green living. And if you love good food, you'll always find tasty recipes and healthy cooking hints. Check out our monthly calendar. It's full of events to keep you connected. Natural Awakenings is available in more than 1,100 locations throughout the city, as well as suburban Cook, Lake, and McHenry counties. And it's free. Or visit us at nachicago.com. Natural Awakenings. Feel good. Live simply. Laugh more. Being a meteorologist, you see things daily that can be related or not related to climate change. And then you separate that from the climate science and the social policies. So it's almost like teaching three classes. The meteorology, which is short-term, the climate, which is long-term, and then the policy, which is government, whether or not it's federal, state, or local. I'm meteorologist Rick DeMaio. Stick around for some more insight into weather and climate on WCGO 1590, Chicago's Smart Talk. Stay in touch with The Mike Novak Show. Find us on Facebook at The Mike Novak Show. Use the Twitter handle at Mike Now. Send us a photo on Instagram at The Mike Novak Show or write to us, mike at mikenovak.net. Speaking of the website, podcasts and blog posts are available every week at mikenovak.net. And while you're there, sign up for those posts and our newsletter on the homepage. And please support the sponsors who support us. Look for logos and specials at mikenovak.net. Tune in to Chicago History and Automotive Heaven, Sundays at 12 noon with Richie Z, right here on WCGO AM 1590. 
Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We lost our phone call. I guess it was Amtrak Tim. Tim, you're welcome to call back and, and talk to us. Uh, we wanted to talk to you. And, again, that number is 877-711-5611. Uh, in the room, we have Sarah Thoreau's. Uh, from Open Lands with Patrick Williams and what I and I meant to say before is conserve Lake County, but it's still kind of there. It's you know you're yeah. still doing conserve Lake County work with Open Lands and Patrick Williams is the manager of communications for Open Lands and one of the things that you really want to talk about is uh, another program which is conservation at home, which is in Lake County. I, explain what conservation at home is. We last year I will tell you we had uh, the folks from. Illinois Extension, Cook County, to talk about conservation at home coming into Cook County, which is a really cool thing. Conservation at home started out in uh, with the Conservation Foundation uh, out in uh, Will, Kane, McHenry, McHen- um, DuPage. Uh, no, Will, Kane, DuPage, and, and Ke- was it Kendall? Yes, in Kendall. Okay. Kendall. And then it's spread to uh, other counties since then, including Lake County. So explain what that is, Patrick. Yeah, so it's uh, conservation at home is a way for homeowners, property owners, both um, corporate landscapes or businesses, as well as your individual homes, your landscapes, um, if you have a larger landscape, that sort of thing. It's a way that you can actively partake in conservation on the land that you control, which right now is a very pressing issue. I mean, there's there, conservation is in the news often these days, and it's not always good news. So this is a way that you can step up as a property owner and do something about it for wildlife, for plants, for the environment on your own land. The question I have, because as I was putting this all together uh, in preparation for the show, uh, and, and I know about uh, having this having started with the Conservation Foundation. Now, are you working with the Conservation Foundation in doing this, or is this uh, uh, borrowing their program and taking it to Lake uh, County, how does that work exactly? The Conservation Foundation uh, works with a variety of partners, mostly nonprofit, to administer in different counties throughout the Chicago region. And so, um, Lake County, we've been administering it for this is our seventh year now. Some people are already um, uh, recertifying for those people who have achieved certification through this program. So basically what happens is that we are able to come out to your property free of charge at a time that's convenient for you. And one of our ecologists will walk your property with you. Mm -hmm. And um, based on what your property is presenting and what your concerns or goals are. And there's actually a checklist, right? Uh, uh, there's an idea sheet, and okay. if you're aiming, <laughs> not, not quite the same, right. and if you're aiming for getting certified, yeah. certain projects earn certain points, and uh, and we have, oh gosh, over 1,200 properties in Lake County alone, and there are thousands. Oh, Peggy's Peg, waving Peggy's her one. hand. Right. <laughs> Congratulations, Peggy, and um. And thousands throughout the Chicago region that are participating in the program. So, but basically what we're trying to do is help you identify good projects that fit your lifestyle, mm-hmm. your budget, your goals, whatever issues you've got going on. You might have water issues, privacy issues. Uh, you might have a new project coming up. You're putting on a new deck or whatever. You might have – and you want to do something good for nature mm-hmm. while you're doing these things. You might have concerns about – your dog or your kids playing on a lawn that's slathered in chemicals and you want to look at alternatives to that. So based on what you've got going on, 
We're going to spend an hour or so with you, free of charge, at a time that's convenient for you, and we're going to give you some ideas and information. You might have some ecological treasures on your property you didn't realize. Many Lake County property owners and managers do. And so we're going to point those out to you. You might have some issues on your property you didn't realize. <laughs> yeah. And if you're open to it, we'd be happy to introduce you to those, too. Can, 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 I, can I stop you for a second? <laughs> yeah. What kind of treasure might you find on a property? So uh, oaks would be a good one. Yeah. And most people we walk on their property, if they've got a big, beautiful oak, they know it. Mm-hmm. And they care deeply about it. Um, what's kind of surprising is when people don't realize they've got a nice little baby oak buried under buckthorn in the back. Mm. And frankly, that's the treasure because these oaks determine, and there's there's about a dozen species of them that are native to this area. They determine what else lives here. All those songbirds that are getting ready to make their way back mm-hmm. here, some of them have already arrived, those poor little cold guys. All the butterflies that want to be here and are declining, so many of them rely upon the oaks. Mm-hmm. Uh, the salamanders, the frogs, you know, I, the list goes on. But then the flip side of that is is the person you go to and they say, and they have lots of buckthorn, and you say, you probably want to get rid of that. And they say, yeah, but that shades or that hides my neighbors from me. That's my forest. And we hear that all the time. That's my yeah. forest. You're going to take away my forest. How do you how do you address that issue? Oh, I got a great story about that. So um, there's a corporate campus in the village of Riverwoods, Walters Kluwer. They had us out on an appointment about a year and a half ago. And 40-acre parcel, more than half of it, is a mature oak woodland, but it was buried in buckthorn. And they're like, what, what is buckthorn? <laughs> so, so we were just out there this week, and they've certified now. Wow. They have cleared almost all of their buckthorn, and they feel that they have – they're very pleased um, with the impact. Because for one thing, all they saw out those office windows was a wall of thick green. Now they're seeing the light come through the trees and they haven't even seen the benefit yet of spring um, ephemerals blooming on the forest floor. Ah. But they feel safer when they're walking out on their trails, they've uh-huh. said. And uh, the champions there that we've been working with, Boz and Bill, they said people have just lit up at what they can now see through the forest, the depth of it. Wow. And it's, hi- it's hard to explain to folks that. This is going to be better. Really, yeah. it is. You have to trust us on this because it is. Uh, but that's that's a great story. All right. We need to get to the plant sale before we get out of here. And this is an annual thing going on in Lake County. Tell us a little bit about the native plant sale. Okay. So, so many of our birds and butterflies, they cannot rely on the European and Asian species that currently dominate our landscape. They've got to have the natives. They have deep, ancient relationships with these natives, whether it's trees, shrubs, or the flowers, ferns, et cetera. So, and you cannot find those natives in your traditional nursery, uh, nurseries and garden centers. So right now through April 29th, you can order online. And then May 18th through 31st, you can shop on site. And we've got about three dozen species of native trees and shrubs that we've selected specifically that work well aesthetically mm-hmm. in Lake County landscapes. And we've got about 100 additional species of flowers and ferns and such. And grasses. That, and grasses, the native grasses that do so well here. So um, 
Beautiful stuff. So if you don't want to make a, or you're not in a position to make a large investment on your property that you love, you know, for uh, $38 in two hours, you can plant a nice oak tree and it's going to last for hundreds of years. If and, you didn't plant it under a power and, line or something. Yeah, yeah. really. <laughs> well, don't get, look up. This is actually really good advice when you're planting a tree. Look up. Yeah. Okay? You, you have to look down because you got to be aware of pipe, pipes, <laughs> pipes and wires uh, below, but you also have to look up because of wires above, and, mm-hmm. and just keep that in mind, and you're good to go, basically. So George Washington and other founding fathers, they only wanted natives on their properties. Did you know that? No, I did they, not They know loved that. to garden, right. and they were devoted to the country, and so they went with natives, and we encourage you to do the same. And you can uh, take uh, put online orders in uh, from... March 29th, which has started through uh, April 29th, and uh, go to uh, openlands.org slash Conserve Lake County, and, yep. and you'll get there. Or just Google Openlands Native Plant Sale. Thank you both for being on the show. Thank we you. really appreciate Thanks. it. Captain's Log, Stardate 42326.1. The Enterprise is under attack by an apparently hostile life form. Mr. Wolf, status report. Inexplicable, Captain. They appear to be perambulating vegetables. We are being stalked by stalks of asparagus. That is incorrect, Mr. Wharf. Asparagus officinalis, or killer asparagus, was the subject of a very popular 21st century tome by the brilliant author Mike Novak. Mike Novak. I'm familiar with his work. Mike Novak was one of the smartest, funniest people in the horticultural world of the 21st century. Sound red alert. Shields up. Tell me more, Mr. Data. He has been variously compared to Mark Twain, Dave Barry, and Edgar Allan Poe. Edgar Allan Poe, author of my favorite children's stories. Captain, I am attempting to access a copy of the masterpiece. Hmm, it seems to be available online at AroundTheBlockPress.com. 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 Yes, Mr. Watt. Yes, Captain. AroundTheBlockPress.com. How many times can I say it? Welcome to the second hour of the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Call us with your questions and comments at 847-877. A new secure line has been opened for communication. 877-711-5611. Now please make enjoy for second hour capitalist radio. Here they are again, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. All I need is good food to eat and make me healthy and wealthy wide awake. Lettuce, tomatoes, root and bacon. What about those sweet potatoes? All I need is good food to eat. All I need is good food to eat. All I need is good right. food to make me All right. <laughs> All right, kids. We're getting into this. We're getting into it. Hey, where's my mic? We're getting into this. I'm going to separate you. <laughs> Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki, and uh, we have turned them loose in the studio with things in... And the seed band. Seed bag. It is a seed bag. No, the seed band. Oh, the seed bag. Well, it's seed bag band with seed bags. And uh, we're very pleased to have in the studio with us Lisa Hilgenberg, who is the horticulturist at the Chicago Botanic Garden. Even though it's a crazy cold out here today, uh, we're going to tell you how to survive that and actually get ready for the spring, which is already here. It's officially here, uh, not only in Chicago, but elsewhere in the country. 
whether you're in Washington, D.C. or in Pittsburgh or in California, it's spring. Baby, it's cold. (laughs) (laughs) Well, not everywhere, not everywhere, but uh, here it's cold, but... uh, we're, we're told by the end of the week it's going to be in the 60s and 70s, yay, and that means we're ready to go. So um, in that regard, we have Lisa here who's going to – you've got all kinds of stuff. You've got visual aids here. It's, this is radio, props. you know. You I came with seeds it's, and inoculants and tools, and there's lots to get ready for. Spring is here. And if you want to see those props, go watch us on Facebook at The Mike Novak Show. That's right. You can, and we may hold some of those up to the camera, um, uh, because uh, we like to be visual as mm-hmm. well as audio. Uh, and uh, so, w- what kinds of stuff are you going to show us today, Lisa? Well, I think um, some of the early spring crops we can talk about: um, uh, peas and beans, and how to actually get ready. I should say peas. Um, how to get ready for planting some of these crops um, by inoculating them, and which um, soil temperatures we're looking for for mm-hmm. uh, radish and pak choy and mustards, and so um, sort of the ins and outs of, of vegetable gardening, and how to determine what what the timing should be. Uh, that that sounds great. And uh, we have a special guest star here uh, out of the blue who just who's sort of wandered in off the streets here. But uh, <laughs> and, and, and when that happens, when when the door opens, we just let people in the studio so they can talk to us, because usually if they wander in the door, they're horticulturists. Right. <laughs> uh, Brent Horvath is is here from uh, and I hope that is we, Brett's we, mic up. If we got Brett's uh, mic up. All right, here we go. Here we go. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> how are you? I'm good. Uh, how, how did you just wander in here? Uh, I, well, I know that you guys are like uh, sharing a car. Chauffeur. Here. <laughs> Chauffeur. Uh, We're mates. Um, but tell us about uh, Intrinsic, uh, yeah. which is your business. Yeah, I am a wholesale perennial grower in Hebron, Illinois, and I'm also breeding new perennials. To the trade and distributing um, throughout the uh, country and the world. What's new? What's wonderful uh, for for 2018? Yeah, we have um, two new GMs and we have a cocktail. GM as in G-E-U-M. Correct. Okay. Avens is the common name and these are um, herbaceous perennials that are in the rose family. They are spring blooming. Mm-hmm. And they're they're going to be budding this month and blooming in May. And we have a cocktail series that includes nineteen varieties now. Nineteen varieties of GM. Yes. Who? And how? Who, are you the, the GM expert of the planet? I am uh, becoming one. Yes. <laughs> Holy smoke! I didn't know that there were people who focused on that. I know that you know there are. There are the Irish people and the orchid right. people and the mm-hmm. daylily people, and right. there's also GM people? That's me. <laughs> <laughs> there's one, anyway. So, yeah, we have a uh, cocktail series, and they're all named after cocktails, and our two newest ones are called Cherry Bomb. It's kind of a cherry red fading to a, a cherry pink color, and the majority of these are um, short clumping plants. Um, around 12 to 18 inches tall in the garden with um, uh, hairy mounds of of nice kind of um, foliage, um, semi-evergreen, but they're spring-blooming, May-blooming. Hey, and so this... we have a wide variety of colors now. And, and, and what zone are they hardy in? They're to? zone 4 to, to, to 8 is, is kind of their best. Uh, they're northern kind of. 
uh, hardy plants. Did Richard Hockey uh, use these in his plant evaluation? I think, yeah, he the did. Whole, a, um, uh, there's a evaluation. beautiful um, uh, kind of compilation of that on our website mm-hmm. at chicagobotanic.org where they've, they've designated some of these as really um, the top of the crop. So, yeah. Uh, in plant evaluation, for sure. Brent's on the cover of Fine Gardening this month. The My new plant. Fine Gardening, his plant. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Which which plant? The, a GM or something else? It's a Rudbeckia. It's called. Oh um, well, well, we just do Rudbeckias too, and GMs. Anything yeah. else that? Uh... Oh yeah, we have lots. We have lots of great ornamental grasses, penicetums, big blue stems. Um, the the biggest or most kind of um, up and coming is called Blackhawks. It's uh, near black fall color. It kind of has these deep mm. purple highlights and and near black uh, highlights and it, and throughout if, the season and then fall color. And if people want to order from you, where do they go? Um, to your local garden center and or mail order. Um, so there's a couple sources, mail order that have okay, my plants. we'll get that out. Yeah. Uh, the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We'll be right back. Have you ever walked into a hair salon and been overwhelmed by the smell of chemicals? Well, that's never going to happen at Organic Roots Eco Salon. They use only the safest, most natural professional hair products available to make sure you get great color results that last and won't harm the environment or you. Their salon products and services are free from ammonia, formaldehyde, and other toxins typically found in hair color perms and keratin smoothing treatments. Organic Roots also offers a complete menu of safe straightening treatments, including the non-toxic Magic Sleek and Cezanne keratin smoothing products that let you shampoo the same day. They even repurpose hair clippings, recycle product containers, and use LED lighting. Now that's green. Walk into 21st Century Hair Care for women and men at Organic Roots Eco Salon, 3417 Dempster in Skokie. Book your appointment at OrganicRootsEcoSalon.com or call 847-423-2653. Health and beauty, you no longer have to sacrifice one for the other. When's the last time you made a deposit in your ecosystem savings account? What I mean is that native plants are an investment in the future. They help to provide clean water, clean air, sequester carbon, mitigate climate change, and more. All of which have a major economic impact on global commerce and health impacts on humans, even in your own backyard. Natural Communities Native Plants can help you enrich yourself and the world around you. For starters, they have the largest selection of native plants, shrubs, and trees in the Midwest. And if this is the year you ditch that turf lawn for a native alternative, they offer Lomo lawn blends, sedge lawn kits, or knee-high meadows if you're feeling really brave. They even have native garden kits for beginners. You can take it to the bank. The birds, bees, butterflies, and other critters will think you're a financial genius. Go to naturalcommunities.net. Naturalcommunities.net. You're listening to Weekends on WCGO. Check out our Facebook live stream brought to you in part by our exclusive signage partner, Fast Signs of Lincolnwood. Located at 3450 West Devon Avenue, visit them on the web at fastsigns.com slash 80. Oh, we can do this again. (laughs) Oh, no. I He's put, gonna take those away from us. I, I played the wrong music. <laughs> or plant them, one way or another. You know, I shouldn't play music that's gonna tempt you to shake your seed pack. Well, here you go. 
All right, go ahead. <laughs> Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Before we let uh, Brent Horvath go, uh, we were talking about where you can get the various plants that uh, you're putting together, including the GMs and the grasses and what? what the rudbeckias. The and sedums. I wrote a book on sedums. So, uh. <laughs> Anything, you know, and this is what happens when I open the front door. These guys wander in. Oh, yeah, I wrote a book on sedums. And, uh, yeah, I'm just going to show up in your I'll, – I'll tell you about it. Uh, but, but the problem is you're a wholesaler. Correct. So you can't uh, – you just can't – folks can't just write to you and say, hey, give me those. But they can find them in great garden centers all over the country. Correct. Right. Yes. Uh, there's some in Chicago and locally, and locally you know, uh, in, in Chicago, certainly. Um, you were mentioning one in New Jersey. The Center Chain is a, a grower, but they supply, you know, garden centers throughout the, the East Coast, too. So uh, yeah. but they're they're handling some of your plants. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. Growing jams so. and grasses and. Mm-hmm. Okay, next time you write a book, wander in the front door again. <laughs> okay. And uh, but now now we're gonna we're gonna turn it over to Lisa because we've got uh, spring things to plant, veggies to plant. Thanks, Brent, for uh, for the the bonus definitely guest uh, appearance on the show. No problem. And uh, are you guys? You're just you gonna, have one? You're just gonna do this. All, we're just gonna do this all day, right? <laughs> seeds. It's all about seeds it's right all, now. You know, mm-hmm. and, and it's and it's interesting because I think folks do that. I think when they buy a seed packet, they they go home and they yeah. shake it and they want to make sure the yeah. seeds are in there. And some of them are bigger than others and some of them make more noise than others. Part of the anticipation mm-hmm. is from tearing through those seed catalogs in the middle of January when we're freezing and then anticipating spring, kind of getting ready for things. People lay them out on their tables and plot and plan when and how and where. And mm-hmm. so it's an exciting time of year. And we don't have many plants in the ground, so seeds are... the Seeds are the only thing we yeah. have right now. Yeah. Well, and if you're going to grow edibles, I mean, there are perennial edibles, but generally folks get the seeds so they can have their annual edibles come up in the spring. And we're at the point where they're, the cool season veggies are what everybody's thinking about. And I should, and I want to mention again that Lisa uh, Hilgenberg is the horticulturist at the Regenstein Fruit and Garden, Fruit and Vegetable Garden, hello, at the Chicago Botanic Garden. And you oversee, what, 50,000? veggies during the course of that's the right that's right 50 to 60,000 annual vegetables are planted there wow. amongst a, a big collection of plants um 600 taxa so i've got one of of every edible plant <laughs> so uh, folks, that can if, be grown if you think you're overwhelmed in your own garden you don't know what you're talking about all right <laughs> I, it's it's wonderful it's the most wonderful place and wonderful job there's always something new to see when you mm-hmm. come to the chicago botanic garden and it's just it's so inspiring we're busy getting ready for, um, you know, there are things we can do even though it's cold outside in April. We're getting ready with bed prep and and laying compost around and, and mulching and um, we're ready for spring. We'll be ready when the weather finally breaks. Well, which... let's let's talk about that a little bit because this is what folks should be doing now to as they get ready to to put their garden or get their gardens going. Uh, and look what you brought. You brought a fork here. Got a prop. That this would be very um, American. Uh, you, you, it, uh, <laughs> here, yeah. wait a minute. Let me get my camera going. We'll, here. we'll get a, a shot of this. But how would you? What do you call this instrument of, of destruction that you have? In this your is hand? my rototiller. Oh, now you're going to confuse people listening no, on no. the radio. It's a beautiful ash-handled uh, pitchfork. And it's great for lifting soil, um, aerating soil. People forget that that part. Twenty five percent of soil should be air, air pockets, yeah. and so we need to add that in the spring after water's been kind of 
um, laying around. Snow's been melting. There's debris and mud and heavy clay. And it's it's a good thing to do in April is just sort of um, pierce the, the uh, soil surface and, and add some air into um, your garden bed. So when Lisa says it's her rototiller, she's using <laughs> air quotes around that, okay? <laughs> because you're a believer that you shouldn't you use industrial machinery to to mess with your soil. Right. I mean, you're really destroying the soil structure that mm-hmm. all of the mycorrhiza and, and earthworms and soil bacteria have worked all winter long on creating a beautiful, friable soil. So if we rototill that, we can create this sort of clay pan effect and, and we destroy um, a lot of the good that's that's gone into building our soils um, I'm so glad you brought quality. this up because I was reading um, a quite reputable piece of literature the other day uh, from a reputable source, and I'm not going to name names. And the the person who wrote in it was talking about – somebody had written a question about rototilling, and the, the person who wrote back said, yeah, you rototill here and do it then. And, 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 and the whole time in my, my head was exploding because I was thinking – no, haven't we gone away from that kind of? It used to be that rototilling was the thing you did religiously twice a year. Right. And each time you did it, you were pulverizing your soil and destroying the tilth of it and the structure and the soil food web. And if you know anything about the soil food web, it's basically all of the organisms in there, uh, whether it's bacteria or fungi or nematodes or worms or insects or... You're absolutely right. You know, and, and, and if you rototill it, you know, you can see that you're pulverizing. You know that there's some destruction involved here. So Absolutely. you're saying not so much. <clears throat> Absolutely. I mean, I think less is more when we when we think about organic gardening, only doing what is completely necessary um, to overcome certain problems in the garden. Um, another um, product that we use to sort of jumpstart things as we're getting planting and thinking about um, taking care of our soils and our seeds um, is inoculating peas. And I brought an inoculant with. This is a question we often have at the Botanic Garden. And this is exactly what you're talking about. It feeds the food um, web in the uh, in the soil. So it feeds the soil bacteria, and it's something that we're just sort of dusting over peas, and it really gives a jump start for um, planting some of these um, uh, so, so what you're, crops. So you're pouring inoculant into what are the seeds you have yeah, in there? Yeah, I just have a pea in this. Um, it's a um, super sugar snap uh, pea. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've from, read this. From Johnny's, from I see. Johnny's, Johnny's, my favorite place in Maine. It's such a great source for home gardening information. And mm-hmm. um, they are doing some great breeding and uh, great work. Um, so check out Johnny's. And um, so we've read the seed packet, and I know that this is a this is a, um, a seed that's good for this year. It hasn't expired, and it's a packet of seed that gives me spacing ideas and depth of planting ideas. And so there's a lot of information. I encourage you to not only use the seed packet as a musical instrument, <laughs> but to uh, certainly um, read read it up. Um, here's another snow pea, uh, mammoth melting sugar. Um, so by reading the seed packet, I know the depth, spacing, uh, and a little bit about the timing. So pea mm-hmm. is one that we can plant at about 40 degrees, 45 degrees. Are you talking about soil temperature? Soil temperature. Not, so, not air temperature. And how deep exactly. soil temperature? Four inches, I think, is about right. If you take that temperature... Um, mm-hmm. You know, maybe out of direct sun, think about a time that wouldn't be the hottest time of the day mm-hmm. to take that soil temperature. 
Um, use a soil thermometer, which is you can find out about a soil temperature on Johnny's website as well. They have great tools and tricks. And then um, get ready to plant those peas when the soil temperature rises. The germination rate certainly increases as the soil temperature um, mm-hmm. comes up. So, you know, 50 or 55 is even better. And the peas ought to just jump right out of the ground if you inoculate them. Peas are one of those crops uh, that I always seem to miss. I seem to miss yeah. the, t- the timetable. Usually yeah. I'm, I'm going, yeah, I'm going to get to that any second. And suddenly it's May and it's 80 degrees and you go, well, wait a second. Peas don't like really warm weather, do they? Right. It's true. It's a cool season crop. And because it's a long season, it needs 60 or 70 days to produce um, peas, shellers and, mm-hmm. and some of the English peas. So planting them at the right time is key. And being a weather watcher is part of that. And so knowing that what our air temperature is, what mm-hmm. our soil temperature is, and how wet things are. So having that timing down is, is really important. So what about in a container? Can you start it earlier? Probably. It probably might warm up a little bit earlier. Absolutely. And you can protect them a little bit more. I guess the point is how well do they transplant? Peas can be transplanted. It's not ideal. They don't like to have their Mm -hmm. root system disturbed. So it's best to direct sow pea after drawing a nice line in the the ground with maybe the handle of a a rake. You can sort of draw a little furrow along Mm -hmm. a stake and string system. And then um, it creates a beautiful line. And then you can just... um, you know, plant the pea at the right spacing, you know, two inches apart. Something like that is what we plant them in double rows, uh, about six inches apart. And then they'll help support each other as they climb up. So you know kind of what you're doing because you've read the seed packet and you've decided on the right plant. And then getting that timing right is key as well. And what does the inoculation do? You know, it's it's a mycorrhiza. Um, it's, it just jump starts germination. So it's um, sort of a germination aid, but mm-hmm. it's feeding the soil um, uh, microorganisms that are there already. So that sort of helps kickstart that decomposition process and that wonderful um, soil biology that you've been talking about. So we're just dusting it. We're just, mm-hmm. we're, it's like a graphite. It's sort of a, a black graphite-like material. Mm-hmm. And you just um, dust it. It's something that expires. So it's important to have... Ask, can you use old... No, you shouldn't. Okay. You should buy inoculant. It, so it's I don't my old inoculant. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And you could just put it in the garden. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it does expire. So check the expiration date, which is key for seeds and inoculants for sure. Um, and then just dust it. We do it in a paper cup, and we're choosing the best day to plant um, pea. It's not going to be terribly windy. It's going to be kind of, you know, gray, and we're going to do this in the morning where we can really control what's going on. And then, you know, just just really we teach this to all of our interns at the Chicago Botanic Garden to just carefully hold these seeds and kind of get yourself set up so you're not standing on the area where you're going to be planting. You're standing off to the sides. We're doing as little um, compaction as possible because we're standing on a nice piece of, you know, plywood or something. Mm -hmm. And then we're really just moving the seed along the row and and planting at proper spacing. And then that helps alleviate some of the need for thinning, um, kind of the um, uh, uh, plants need certain nutrients and they need to be spaced at a certain distance apart. So this is really important to get the seeding right from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're covering with a with a nice little, you know, stake, and we're making sure of that seed-to-soil contact. So we're, um, we're uh, ensuring that the seed isn't in an air pocket. It's actually contacting the soil and, and allowing the inoculant to do its job, which is to help start these so you, peas. So if you put it, uh, as you said before, you were saying four inches down? Um, well, it's typically about three times the size of the seed. Okay. So if we've got, you know, a half-inch pea, 
then we're you know at about so it's an not inch nearly deep. that far right. down. Ignore that. I what I just said. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think that's a really often made mistake. People plant seeds too deeply. And they plant them in really bone-dry soil and in soil that hasn't been properly worked. So it's important to um, have a nice moist seed bed and then either dust a little uh, quarter inch or half inch of of, uh, soil on the top of the row or just cover and firmly kind of pack Mm -hmm. and, and, um, yeah. And and seeds have uh, uh, different... Uh, needs uh, for germination. Some want uh, more soil on mm-hmm. top. Some want some light. Uh, it's it's Absolutely. it's so you need to know the specific seed. One size does not fit all when it comes it's to totally seeds. Totally right. I mean, carrot seed can blow away in your hand. It's like um, it's just a very lightweight, fine seed. It's good to put a little grit in with that. Mm. Maybe a little sand in your hand mm-hmm. when you're going to direct sow carrot. It's a good idea. Um, I think, and you know, seeds can be super useful in just like we plant radish seed around the edges of our parsnip or our carrot. Something that might be a slow germinator like those plants. They take 14 to 21 days to come up. But if you plant a radish seed on either end of that row, they pop up in five days and they'll designate where that row actually is so you can find it again. And you know where to water and you know where not to step. And so it, it's very helpful. I'm a slow germinator. My, no, wait, I'm a slow you... learner. That's the, that's a different thing. All right. It's Mike Novak show with Peggy Malecki. Our phone number is 877-711-5611. We're going to go to the phone because we have a question. Uh, and I've already forgotten the name. Um, who, uh, who? Well, let's just say mystery guest on the line. Uh, identify yourself. This is Dr. Kuzner. I'm calling from uh, Manistique, Michigan. Well, hello, Dr. Kuzner in Ma- Manistique, Michigan. Uh, uh, yeah, this is a first-time caller, first-time uh, listener, actually. I'm streaming you. Uh, is Malecki M-A-L or M-L? M-A-L. Oh, good. Okay, now we know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, my, tul- my tulips up here, they're already up like eight inches because February 14th, um, we got a warm spell where the... Maple syrup ran for, geez, almost for a week. And now, last Saturday, we had like 8 or 12 inches of snow, and the tulips are fine. That's good. Well, and, and, and folks don't know that uh, Manistique is in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, uh, and so it's going to be uh, somewhat cooler than sure. it is here sure. in Chicago. Sure. In Chicago. Yeah, I'm glad you, I'm glad you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's like Oregon. I want to keep it secret. <laughs> um, yeah, Lisa didn't mention that the peas add nitrogen to the soil. I forget there's a name for that, um, where, they're, they're, where they imbue nitrogen right to the soil. Right, indeed. They, they, f- they fix nitrogen, and they're such a great preceding crop. So it's a great crop to plant before you would plant tomatoes or, you know, a following heavy oh, but, feeding oh. crop. But, yeah, absolutely, they are nitrogen fixers. So they're legumes, and most legumes or all legumes are nitrogen fixers. Right, right. Uh, did you Are you the one that knows about irises or no? Well, we are a horticultural crowd, so go for, go for it. Ask your question, and then we'll, we'll do what we can. I heard it. You have like 80,000. I don't know if you knew Ben Azer, A-Z-U-R. I, he, I, I guess he was, the interna- he was the international president of the um, Irish Society. We used to have uh, conventions and meetings in, in Myo, Michigan, northern, northern lower peninsula. 
and he would crossbreed and uh, yeah. he said he, he gave me he gave me some black uh, irises but you know they were dark yeah, it's fun. You know, iris are one of those plants that you can really. I'll, t- I'll tell you what, both of you, uh, we have to take a break. That's what that music means. Uh, we'll get back to the question. Irises and I heard tomatoes on the Mike Novak show with Peggy Malecki. Did you know it takes almost 2000 gallons of water to produce one pound of beef? In a Green Diva Minute, you'll learn more and be on your way to living a deeper shade of green. It takes only 39 gallons of water to produce one pound of vegetables. Meat production releases more greenhouse gases than veggies. Emissions from livestock currently make up almost 15% of the global greenhouse gases. Of that, beef and dairy alone make up 65%. One cow's annual output of methane, you know, cow fluffs, burps, call them what you want, is equivalent to the emissions generated by one car burning 235 gallons of gas. Talk about stinky climate change. More vegetables equals a happier planet. Just saying. I'm Green Diva Meg, and you can find more low-stress green living tips at thegreendivas.com. Whether it's March, July, September, or December, if you're a gardener, any time of year is perfect for a subscription to Chicagoland Gardening Magazine. It's the garden magazine for our region and one of the best gardening magazines in the country. Every issue features spectacular photos, articles by noted horticultural authorities, nursery owners, state extension agents, master gardeners, and more. There are columns like Ask the Garden Pros, Regional Reports, What to Do in the Garden, and even my column on the inside back page of every issue. I make up stuff and they pay me for it. Go figure. Chicagoland Gardening Magazine, a publication of state-by-state gardening magazines. On newsstands everywhere. But go to chicagolandgardening.com and get a subscription. If you're in other parts of the Midwest or the South, try one of the 21 magazines in those regions by going to statebystategardening.com or call 888-265-3600. 888-265-3600. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki and our seed packet uh, <laughs> instruments here. Uh, and uh, we're talking to Lisa Hilgenberg from the Chicago Botanic Garden about planting things in the spring uh, because that's when you do the cool season vegetables. I, I imagine there are people who don't even realize that there are differences between cool season and warm season vegetables. So if you're growing a squash, you're growing a tomato, that's not going to happen until the summer. You don't want to do it now because you put it out in your garden, you're either going to kill it or it's going to sulk. And it's not going to be really happy. That's true. And, you know, eking out the longest uh, number of days in the garden and the longest harvest is really important. It's a part of our work that, um, you know, you can come over to the fruit and vegetable garden and you can see what we should have in our gardens now. And the cool season crops are those that can take uh, cold nights, you know, Mm -hmm. 28 degree nights. um, And that would be uh, a lot of the brassicas, so cabbage and kale and... um, Brussels sprouts can take a whole lot of cold, those sort of thick-leaved um, 
uh, cabbage-related plants. And then, you know, in a couple of weeks, three or four weeks, then we get into the Swiss chard and lettuce and beets and some of the mustards, things that can, um, you know, they're a little less tolerant to the Mm -hmm. frost. So timing is really everything in vegetable gardening. And you wrote a, a very good article for Natural Awakenings Chicago. And that uh, article is linked uh, to my website, mikenovak.net, M-I-K-E-N-O-W-A-K.net. And if you look at the article uh, about this week's show, you'll, you'll see the link to the article, and you have that list of the, the different vegetables and when to put them out. And it's very useful for people who are just getting started. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. We need to finish our conversation with Dr. Kuzner, who is uh, on the line. We've for- lost him. Oh, we lost him. Well, we just finished our conversation with Dr. Kuzner from Manistique, Michigan, and uh, um, he, he, I think he said he had like 200 tomatoes. Uh, are they going already? I yeah. wonder. I, want, I wanted to ask him what his favorite was, but, you know, it's not too late. That's a great project for April is seed starting inside. So you can still start lots of um, these long season summer crops inside. Tomatoes, typically we plant out about June 1st, somewhere uh, yeah. know, end of May That's to my early rule of June. thumb here. I know that in other parts of the country it's going to be give or take, whatever, but it doesn't necessarily, even even at the last frost, uh, for instance, in the Chicago area, you'll see it anywhere from around April 26th to May 15th, depending on what you're looking at, uh, what, what the, uh, uh, the magazine or the source is. Uh, me... I wait until June 1st. Mm-hmm. That way, there's no problems. You, know, you, might as well, you might as well just wait until you know it's going to be really warm and it's not going to backtrack on you and you're not going to get an unexpected cool snap. And then you don't worry about uh, your tomato sulking on That's you. That's true. And, you know, if you do, if they they take too much cold in the beginning of their um, uh, time in the garden, they just sulk all season long. So nighttime temperatures above 50 degrees is what we're really looking for when we're uh, planting tomatoes out. Uh, so, and what about soil temperature? Um, you know, soil temperature is probably a lot warmer, sixty or seventy degrees, something like that. Wow. It's probably warmer. Um, but again, you know, being a weather watcher is really important, um, and then waiting for those nighttime temperatures to increase. Um, but there's lots to plant in the meantime, and I think that's a really important message for viewers to kind of get 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 gardening, but choosing the right crop for the right time. Radish and spinach can go in our gardens right now. We should be getting rolling on those crops. So Mm -hmm. after bed prep, which we talked a little bit about, um, you can really get those seeds in the ground. When does it get to be too late, as it were? Well, I think you think about a crop that is... Certainly for the cool season yeah, crops, cool if you're season. waiting until, you know, the the third week in May, it's probably a little <laughs> bit late for you to, you know, to have some of the lettuces mature mm-hmm. uh, to great quality if they mature but, in July. But here's the thing. All right. First of all, I will say it's kind of like radio where you back time. You know, you, yeah. you, you you figure out when the crop is going to be mature and then you back time to where you put Completely. it in the ground. Yeah. Yeah. However, it also depends on the year. Uh, several years ago, we had a very, very cool summer, and there were peas that were produced all summer long. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. you re- probably remember this. Yeah, you know, you're absolutely right about that. Each year it's is a little in the different. Fifties through June, right? And and That's so summer. wet and cold yeah. and things. Foggy so and yeah. yeah. 
but you can't count on it. So that's the problem. You know, you can't you can't assume yeah. that you're going to have a cool summer so you can have a cool it's... season crops going into July. You have to assume that it's going to get warm. It's going to get hot. And then you have to move on to those other crops. Diversify. Yeah. Diversify your garden. <laughs> I mean, that would be one way to overcome and, and, that. And, and, and then could you stagger your planting too? Totally. Succession plant. You know, Thomas Jefferson mm-hmm. planted a thimble full of lettuce every Monday. So uh, at Monticello. So <laughs> just, just sounds so sort of, con- you know, yeah. hedge your bets a little bit. Yeah. Uh, a keep thimble on planting. full of lettuce every well, Monday. It's such a lovely thought. Keeps the doctor away. Is that it? Keeps uh, the uh, 200 people fed, I think, was the whole, yeah. um, you know, the mission there. Yeah, yeah, he had his own city there, basically. Yeah. So you're you're at this point. What are you looking at doing this week? What are you excited about getting into the garden and getting done? Well, um, we have waited. So we're, uh, you know, a couple of days behind because it's just been too cold. Our night was 23 degrees last night or Friday night. And um, this week we're expecting 50 degrees, you know, for daytime temperatures. So we've been busy getting beds prepped. So uh, we're top dressing with a couple of inches of composted cow manure over all of the annual vegetable beds. And then we're digging that in and making sure to aerate the soil with now, our when you say dig, digging in, you're using the pitchfork here again, not a rototiller, but you're using this. And how far down are you going in? You know, as as far as you can go. I mean, eight inches is wonderful. If you can get this in, you know, step on it, stand on it, and mm-hmm. rock it as you pull it up. Yep. Having that chunky um, soil is not a bad thing. I mean, to then you can kind of knock the clumps out with... And then are you turning it over or just loosening yeah, it? Yeah, you can turn it over or loosen it. You know, just I always let people know that when you move it, you have to somehow smooth it out and put it back. So it's heavy work. And yeah. so um, less movement is sometimes a lot less work. <laughs> it's your spring uh, workout. You're aerating it. Yeah, yeah, it's your spring work. It certainly keeps me out of the health club. <laughs> well, there's, I think that's actually a good point. You you spend a lot of calories in the garden. Gar- gardening is really really good exercise. It's very zen, uh, and uh, it's good for stretching, and it's good yeah. for for uh, for working out and for your mind. I mean, it's it's very therapeutic mm-hmm. work. It's important to remember in the spring we're all really eager to get out there, and we don't want to throw our backs out for the whole season. So just starting. Um, you know, and, and um, monitoring how long and how much work you're doing in the early parts of the spring is important Yeah, as we get rolling. And then we can, you know, we'll be ready. And we're, we're training for gardening. So yes. we're ready when uh, June comes. Well, that's a really good point. Uh, my friend, Dr. Bonnie Flaster from North River Wellness says, please stretch before you yeah. go out into the garden. It, yeah. it, you, that's, it is like mm-hmm. it, you're not going to pick up a baseball bat and, and go run out to the diamond. You're going to stretch. A, at least I would hope. Okay, if you're 22, you don't stretch. It's all right? true. Yeah. If you're if you're you 45, yeah, you're going to stretch. Absolutely, absolutely. So do he, the same thing. He in was your looking garden. at me and saying <laughs> no. 45. I so, love that. And what's your favorite stretch? <laughs> is it a calf stretch or is it a back stretch or just kind of a you know take even, the pitchfork, put it over your shoulders. Ah, uh, <laughs> we're doing that with the um yeah yeah. Ooh. My mine is the uh, three wood stretch. Okay? Oh, I see. So golf and gardening go together. Well, you, you're going to stretch if you do that yeah. too. Well, yeah. that and you've you've got your exercise cycle that you've been doing all winter. Yeah. So I'm 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 yeah. I'm preparing. I'm ready for this. It's okay. great exercise. So what about preparing the tools for the garden? What do we need to do? Well, preparing the tools, just making sure that you know they're sharp. So mm-hmm. um, take a sharpening stone and making sure that um, the blades of your pruner are um, sap free first, and then using a little steel wool or a, a sharpening stone is really important. Or just buying a new one like we have here, which is this is such a great tool. It's a Felco um, little needle nose um, 
uh, pruner. It's great for dead leafing. It's great for harvesting. It's a wonderful tool. So, um, but taking care of your, your old tools is equally as important. I think we got to give them a ding. A, a ding. There we go. You're, you're, <laughs> she, she's holding it up to this the Facebook great, camera. This is a great tool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Where's the you know, making sure things are clean and organized. That's what we've been doing. We've been ta- taking pots out of um, storage, you know, our big terracotta mm-hmm. pots and assessing. And how are you cleaning those? Well, they're clean. They were put away clean. Okay. So, But if um, people just threw them in their shed or garage. Yeah, it's important. Once you turn your water on, it would be important to take a brush out and sort of brush off the old soil. But, but and that assumes get you turned up. your water off. Yeah. <laughs> you should turn your water off in the fall so is it you too don't late? have any broken is too, pipes. Is it too late to turn it off now for well, the winter? It's, it's, Mike. I th- okay. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I, I wanted to also ask you what varieties you're excited to plant this year. Um, we have um, a wonderful new uh, bright green collared, I believe it's Jurgens. Uh, it's from Seed Savers Exchange, and it's an open-headed um, cabbage uh, family plant. So it's a it's a sort of a collard. We've got a couple of Napa cabbages that I always like to grow. Um, actually, I have plants in the cold frames now at the Regenstein Fruit and mm-hmm. Vegetable Garden. So I've got um, Vit, which is a, a, a cold-season salad green that adds a little bit of crunch. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of red mustards that are beautiful, Ooh. ornamental, as well as beautiful on your salad plate. Um, so we've got arugula in the garden now, spinach, and we'll plant the radish this um, this. Uh, week. So it's exciting to think about all of the plants that we have available to us and um, beets and Swiss chard and, and something for everybody. So we, we have a question coming from Facebook from oh. David. He says, what, Lisa, what is your opinion of veganic gardening, such as amendments and fertilizers without animal products in them? You know, that's an interesting question. I think, um, you know, plant-based um, products are part of organic gardening. And so sort of those bio-rational controls, I think, you know, go for that. More power to you. I think it's a great um, a great solution. I mean, um, kelp um, and, and fish emulsion, I guess, would be an well, animal. Would, but yeah. what would are we call a- that, though? We, a, a pesca... Uh, approach into the garden. Pescanic. Pescanic. <laughs> a pescanic approach. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, to, and, you know, compost. As opposed to cow manure. Cow yeah, manure, absolutely. Yeah. I think, um, you know, lots of different um, uh, cottonseed um, meals and alfalfa mm-hmm. meals. And some of those can certainly add nitrogen as well, which is what we're looking from an animal product. So yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. It is. Uh, uh, do you use kelp there at uh, the Botanic Garden? We do. We use kelp uh, mostly as a foliar spray. So we mix it up in a backpack sprayer, or you could certainly do it in a watering can. Just a cap full or two hmm. in, you know, follow the instructions. But it's a very dilute, benign, uh, but it really punches up um, uh, the nitrogen and greens up plants in a, in a good fashion. Well, that's Lisa Hilgenberg. She is the horticulturist at the Regenstein Fruit and Vegetable Garden. I got it right this time at the Chicago Botanic Garden. You can go to chicagobotanic.org. You can also go to mikenovak.net and see information there. Thank you, Lisa, for coming by. I know you're going to run right out and plant stuff. My pleasure. Great to see you. All right. The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Molecki. There's more to come. Stick around. Do you know that Chicagoans are getting healthier all the time? 
This is Peggy, and I know this is true because for eight years I've been publishing Natural Awakenings, Chicago's greenest and healthiest magazine. And if you want your message to reach this growing market, you need to get your business in front of our readers. Why? Because our advertisers tell us that our targeted readers are committed to improving their health and they're ready to take action. That's more than 80,000 people in Chicago who will respond to your message. They're looking for holistic wellness practitioners, doctors, dentists, nutritionists, health coaches, yoga, even home improvement and landscape experts. Natural Awakenings is a free monthly magazine available in more than 1,100 locations throughout Cook, Lake, and McHenry counties. Call me today to expand your market and grow your business. 847-858-3697. That's 847-858-3697. Natural Awakenings. Feel good. Live simply. Laugh more. It's plant sale time, and here's the wonderful news. Wherever you live in the Chicago area, there's a plant sale near you that includes a large variety of native plants. Now, we can't list them all here, but we want you to know there's a great place to find all the local sales. Go to chicagolivingcorridors.org for a comprehensive list, or just go to mikenovak.net and click on the plant sale link. Some sales have pre-order requirements. Go native or go home. Stay in touch with The Mike Novak Show. Find us on Facebook at The Mike Novak Show. Use the Twitter handle at MikeNow. Send us a photo on Instagram at The Mike Novak Show or write to us, Mike at MikeNovak.net. Speaking of the website, podcasts and blog posts are available every week at MikeNovak.net. And while you're there, sign up for those posts and our newsletter on the homepage. And please, support the sponsors who support us. Look for logos and specials at MikeNovak.net. Catch Playtime with Bill Turk and Carrie Kendall every Sunday from 1 to 3 p.m. right here on 1590 WCGO. First time that I ever heard my father scream in pain. Was as he watched. In 69, you lead go down the drain. All the prayers, all the prayers, all the care, all the care, all the sacrifice in your name. You reward him with a heart attack, but refuse <laughs> to take the blame. Yes, this is about our have cubs. A warning. Not to believe this is the song lies, that I promised to Bill Turk. By your sincerity, we'll play just a little bit. There's Rick DeMaio standing by. Tries. Oh, but I was, but I was, just because, just because. you were the only game in town. All my life, <laughs> all my life, such strife, oh, such strife. Have mercy, I'm almost all together gone. now. Because you're bad luck. You're rotten luck, you're no luck at all Is making me turn away from your ivy-covered walls I know it's really me to blame I don't give you what you need So forgive me as I exit early Because your cub's tough luck is killed all right, I uh, had to. You know what? It used to that song used to work, and then they went and they ruined it and. 
2016. They won, they won the World Series. Yeah. And by the way, that's my friend Dan Cooney who wrote that song. That's uh, the two of us singing it there. We uh, put that together a few years ago when the Cubs still were lovable losers. <laughs> and they're, they're no longer lovable losers. They're just another team now. Just that, you know, the mystery is gone. I'm sure they can get back there. Yeah, they can. I think they've started. <laughs> All right. Let's bring in meteorologist Rick DeMaio. Good morning, Rick. <clears throat> Uh, good morning, Mike and Peg. So, are you auditioning for a Saturday afternoon live with us? Uh, a Saturday afternoon what? You know, like you have Saturday Night Live and oh, the Lord, yeah. the comedy part of Saturday <laughs> Be- afternoon, right? Because I'm not ready for prime time, obviously. There okay, so there, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, Rick, as as Peggy has been saying uh, all morning, yeah, you got some splaining to do, and Lisa Hilgenberg from the Chicago Botanic <laughs> Garden is is here as well, and she wants to He's know giving you a stern look. She, she wants to know why why yeah. it was like 20 degrees this morning uh, on uh, April, whatever it is today. Hey, yeah. Do the do the, uh, do the robins have their Patagonians on up there? <laughs> in, uh, I believe they do. My God, <laughs> it's cold. Uh, yeah, from what I uh, from what I can see, uh, we did bottom out at twenty one, so we did miss the record uh, by one degree. So get smart would say missed it by that much. But this is this is amazing that not only did we get this cold without any snow in the ground here. Uh, but most of the cold weather that's been kind of reinforced over us the last couple of weeks has been because of the snow and, and in- incredible snowpack across Wisconsin, Minnesota, and the UP. If you go north of Madison, mm-hmm. uh, there's easily about four to five inches of snow on the ground. You get up to the Green Bay area where they had the heaviest snow of the entire winter last Tuesday. Uh, there's about a foot to foot and a half, and you get into the UP of Michigan, it's nearly two and a half feet. Wow. Uh, and much of the state, northern part of Iowa, all of Minnesota, and then you get up into southern areas of Canada, uh, an incredible snowpack. And this this is the area that had literally no snow during the first, uh, what, month and a half, if you want to call it, of winter. And we did a complete flip. So one of the ways that we've talked about this all the time is that you maintain cold weathers with snowpack, and that definitely allowed us, with bright sunshine yesterday, I think one of the oddest things, I think you can all agree, you step outside about, 10, 30, 11 o'clock in the morning, the sun is bright. It looks outside and it's freezing. I mean, this is really amazing stuff. And uh, and then on top of that, uh, this time tomorrow morning, we'll be looking at snow and about two inches of it up in Botanic Garden. Oh, oh. <laughs> thank you, Rick. Yeah. I know, I know. Just just look at it as a light rain that's white. <laughs> that's the best way to look at it this or, time of the year. Or additional time to prune Asian pear trees or uh, stone fruit trees. It's just an extended cold period that gives us more time. It's helping mulch yeah, the garden. I, I, I think you're right about that. And one thing I've noticed is all of the, the daffodils and crocuses that came up like about two weeks ago, they went into the pause mode. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. I've seen the trees. Have you noticed? I've seen the trees kind of bud. So is this something where the trees are able to feel the radiation from the sun? But because the ground is still cold, they, the, the basically everything that's coming up out of the ground kind of stops, but the trees are actually able to harness some of that sunlight. Is that, is that my scientific um, well, I think uh, you're diagnosis, right. correct? Absolutely. I mean, I think they've reached their um, chill requirement, you know, and temperature mm-hmm. and light and moisture are the things that jog sort of growth. So um, absolutely, you're right about that. Their buds are swelling, and we're getting ready to spray some dormant oil when nighttime temperatures sort of moderate at about 40 degrees. So we'll spray the apple orchards. And so there are lots of tasks that we can take advantage of this cold weather by doing now. 
And and, and, and as you when when the temps get to this point, you know, upper teens, near twenty. I know that the National Weather Service doesn't issue the normal freeze warnings because we're not yet out of the freeze season. Does does that kind of does that kind of like like throw people for a little bit of a curve here? Are they are they expecting to see that from the Weather Service, or or would you? They, they they should issue something like that, being that you're down into the upper teens. What do you, what do you think about that? I think that I expect it to be freezing. So I don't necessarily – I think okay. once we reach the point where we've had what we thought was our last frost, then having that freeze mm-hmm. warning is really helpful um, for people yeah. um, who might have crops to yeah. protect. But while we're still sort of buying our time until that last frost um, – I think it's okay not to have have a frost and, warning and because thing, we expect it. But but one of the things that happens is plants that normally can withstand this, even those plants are taking a hit. Right. We saw a report, Kathleen and I did uh, the other day, about somebody whose hellebores had taken a hit. Yeah. And hellebores are, are traditionally pretty tough plants, and they can stand cold weather. But even the hellebores were drooping when it got down to 20 degrees. Uh, so this is unusual, and some plants... Uh, are, are, are responding to the cold. Hostas and lilies, and those plants can be damaged for the whole well, season. the hostas so, aren't anywhere yeah. near yeah. up at No, the but if you're a perennial grower, like we were just discussing, I mean, yeah. you sort of, mm-hmm. you know, when you uncover plants and, and how you get ready for spring is changed by this extended cold yeah. winter. And Mike, and Mike and Peg, I think we've all seen this before. It's almost worse when you have that one straight week of incredibly warm weather and everything pops out. And then you go into a cold pattern like this. Yeah. So far, we haven't seen that. It's been just, it's been literally below normal, anywhere between 14 and 15 degrees below normal. And interesting to note, I don't know whether this plays into it. Again, I'm being this, this pre-scientific diagnosis here. We've been dry. We've been basically yeah. about 25% mm. of moisture in the last <laughs> yeah. 30 days across this part. So the plants haven't had much to feed on as well, I would imagine. You yeah. know, it's just desiccating things, I would think, you I, know, and heaving plants out of the ground yeah. when we're freezing so deeply. I think that's certainly a problem. I wouldn't remove any mulch yet in your from your perennial beds oh, or, no, or no. around oh, trees heavens. or anything. Yeah. No. I've noticed uh, areas in my garden that are that are just like sand. They're they pulverized. It's right. just so dry. Yeah. It's, dry. it's been really, yeah. really yeah. dry. We've had a couple of uh and, rain events in the last two weeks though. Yeah, we had. La- yeah. Thank goodness, we had at least a little bit uh, in this past week. Right, right. But it's been, and I know, Mike. We only have an in- another another minute here. But yeah. I, I was trying to mention to the service that comes around to my condo building. I was, I wanted to tell them, don't don't take this stuff from the winter time. Leave it on here because it's going to get cold. And the guy said, well, it's on my schedule to do it now, yeah. so I have to do yep, it. It's on their one list. One of the things where. Oh dear. What's okay. that? Guy? I just said it's, it's it, on their list. Same yeah. thing. Uh, I, there's a landscaper on All our right. block. Well, we need a short forecast here. Okay. Well, everything I gave you still stands. Snow one to two inches tonight. Seventy oh. by Friday <laughs> with showers and heavy thunderstorms, uh, and we'll definitely see about an inch and inch and a half of rain this week. We're not done with the cold yet, but this week we'll definitely see some moderation, guys. That sounds great. Thanks, Rick. I want to thank everybody for being on the show, especially Lisa Hilgenberg from the Chicago Botanic Garden. Until next Sunday morning, go green or go home. Uh, Stadler? Uh, what? Is that it? Yes, it's over. How'd you like it? I don't know. I slept through the whole thing. Well, you didn't miss much. 